Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, I'm so glad that you are here with me today, and we're going to be continuing getting into God's Word so that we can get it into our lives, so we can get it out of our lives into the world around us. And uh, we're walking through the book of Acts in the Bible Many people will, in your Bibles, it might say the Acts of the Apostles. It's really more accurately described as the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it shows the, the move of God through the early church and the spread of the early church and, and the power of God at work in our lives. Let me tell you, there is nothing more relevant, more important to your life each and every day than your worship. A lot of times you wait, wait a minute, worship, that's a... That's a Sunday thing. No, it's an everyday thing. Worship is is 24-7, 365 uh, days a year. And uh, if we're really going to come together in worship and see God move in in our gatherings together, then it's got to be the overflow of what happens in our life every day. Because we can't work up enough excitement or awesomeness to create a spirit of worship. It, it Worship happens when worshipers come together. And that's what we are as followers of Jesus. We are, uh, we are worshipers. And a lot of people, the way they picture worship in our minds, when we think about what is worship, when we come together in a, in a service, a celebration, well, they think of it like, the people in the seats or in the pews, they are like the audience. And the people on stage are the entertainers. They're doing something to entertain us, the performers. And then God is prompting those people, those people on stage, the worship leaders, the pastor, to entertain our lives, uh, to inspire the people in the congregation. But that's not really the picture of what worship is all about. In authentic worship, the people on the stage are the prompters. They're the, they're the ones that are, that are uh, prompting worship. But the people in the seats are the, the performers. We are worshiping God, and God is the audience of our worship. God is the object of our worship. And so... When we come together on a Sunday, we come expectantly to encounter and experience God, not to uh, just see each other, okay? Yes, there's power when believers come together, uh, where two or more are gathered. There, you know, he, he is there, present, and He does show up each and every time believers come together. But we come expectantly to see God, to hear from God 
to um, to allow him to work in our lives. And so when that first downbeat happens, we say, yes, God, we have come to worship you, God, and only you. And so many times you're like, I'm just not feeling it, right? What do you do if you don't want church to feel like a routine? Well, it starts by getting prayed up. You should come. You get up in the morning and you say, pray, God, move in our worship today. God, bring unbelievers into our service so that they can encounter you. God, encounter me. Speak to me today. And uh, then on the way that morning, you know, listen to worship music. Prime the pump in your life and uh, as you're getting ready in the morning. And bring your Bible Okay, don't just rely on what's up on the, the screens, but get the physical Bible, open the Word, um, and, and get, get to church on time, you know, get to church a little early, so you're not running late, so you're not missing the, the downbeat, and you're not missing it, um, and, you know, coming in trying to play catch-up, and then when we're singing worship songs, sing it loud, Sing like you mean it. Sing at the top of your lungs. Even if you don't have a great singing voice, God doesn't care. God, He cares more about the heart than He does the voice. Make it. That's why it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And then take some notes, okay? Write it down. We remember so much more of what we write down and what we see and what we can review than just what we hear. If you're just passively hearing it, you're not really learning it. You're not really getting anything. So, so you want to write down, engage your brain, engage that part of your brain, uh, and process it that way. And then, uh, most importantly, come in and expect God to to be there and God to move and do a work in your life. Come expectantly. Listen, all of eternity is about worshiping God. Okay, and the problem is we don't understand worship. And we don't know the God of our worship. And so, um, you know, we need to understand as best we can who it is we're worshiping. And, um, and, and so it's a, it's a daily thing. <clears throat> we may know about God. We may know the, the doctrine. We may know theology. We may know all the facts and the charts and the graphs and the figures. But do we really know him? You were created to know God. You were created to worship Him. You were created to praise Him. And, and when we realize that He is more than worthy of our worship, we'll not only want to praise Him for eternity, but we will start doing that today, right here, right now. Worship is not something that is superfluous or uh, peripheral to our lives. It is central and essential to our lives. Okay? And if you are a follower of Jesus, it is a central part of your life because the reason we were made was to know God, to get to know God and to worship him. The most It's been said the most important thing about you is what you think when you think about God. What you believe about God begins to shape your life. It shapes uh, the direction of your life. And it's important that we tear down any false ideas about God and we have a truly biblical view of who God is. And uh, that's the only way you can really worship him in spirit and in truth. Why is it that we worship? We Everybody worships something. Um, 
you either worship God or you worship some something created by God or something created uh, by the hands of people. So let's look in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16. We're going to read 16 through 23, and, and we're going to read more than that today, but let's kind of set the stage of what's happening. So while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks. We've seen this pattern from Paul, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Verse 18, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him, argue with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching about the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and they brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spend their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. So in, in verse 23, Paul mentions the objects of worship. And he's kind of commending them because they're religious, but they're um, misdirecting their worship. They were very superstitious. And they had a god and a goddess for everything. And, you know, that's not that different from what we do today, what people do today. Okay, now most people aren't worshiping little wooden statues, um, but how about little green pieces of paper that we worship? Um, money. How about our idols on four wheels? How about the little screen that we carry around in our pocket, the little idol iPhone or uh, the, the TV in your living room or other Creations, other people that walk on two feet. I know who pe I know people who literally worship celebrities and athletes or musicians. They they worship. You can see it when they're crying and they're they're. I saw a, a, a little girl who had worked all summer long to uh, sell. She sold something lemonade or something just to earn. Uh, enough money to go see Taylor Swift in concert. And her reaction to seeing that was just crying, just worship. And uh, when, they, when they, this little girl saw Taylor Swift, and they give more of their money for these people than they do to God. And that is the essence of idolatry. And so this commandment is for us today. We are drawn to worship something. And we do. We fill our lives with false gods, but those things never satisfy. They always let us down. They always leave us empty. People are, we're desperate to fill the emptiness inside of us. It's been said that we were created with a God-shaped hole in our hearts. 
Maybe you've felt that before, and we all have. We try to fill that hole with everything there is, whether it be a substance or stuff or relationships, sex, all those things you try to fill, but nothing fits and nothing fills. Only God will fill that deep longing inside your life. People want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. We want to be involved in a cause that is worth something, something that will outlast and outlive our lives. And so this sucks people in to people give a a first-class allegiance to second-class causes all the time. And sometimes they're even drawn into cults or they're drawn into organizations. That It's not that the organizations are bad. They're just not making a difference that lasts. And everyone wants to know why they're here. They want to know their purpose. And we've studied, uh, we talk about our purpose so often. Uh, People ask, what am I here for? Why, Why am I here? And this is one question that science can never answer. Only God can give us the answer that will set us on a path of purpose and meaning in our life. We also know people want to worship God. So in verse 22, Paul stood up and he said, men of Athens, the people of Athens, you're very religious and you have this unknown God, just in case, this extra God. And uh, so he's using their culture to say, this thing that you've put up as unknown, I'm going to tell you who that is. Even religious people, non-religious people, people know that there's a God. And uh, Paul used this desire in their hearts to tell them who the one true God is. And so we need to understand that God isn't looking for some kind of generic worship or anonymous worship. He has revealed himself to us. He wants you to know him. And so I want us to look at who is God as he is revealed in the Bible. So look at yeah, Acts 17, starting in verse 24, answering this question about who God is. And he reveals, he says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men and women life and breath and everything else. From one man he made nation, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the si- the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Your life is not an accident. God God has placed you. Have you ever wished you lived in a different time period? You know, sometimes we're like, oh, I wish I could have lived earlier. I wish I could live in the future. No, God has set you here at this time, at this place for his purpose. God did that so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. No matter how far you've wandered from God, it's only a step back. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So there's an example of Paul using non-Christian art and poetry um, like we would use a a song lyric today. You know, people who are not Christians, they they can look around at the world and what God has created and they can paint a beautiful sunset. They can paint... Uh, That is because of God. That's because God has created that. And God has placed that creativity inside of us. Okay? Um, So, 
Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So there's proof. There's proof. And that is that Jesus is no longer in the grave. What do we learn about God here? We see God is creative. He made the world. He made everything in it. He made all the people. You are a master uh, a creation by God, by the, by the master creator. Uh, God spoke, simply said the word, and, the, and worlds came into orbit. And he's the master artist. And, and so we know he is a creative God. You know, think about the world we could live in. We could live in a flat, boring, one-dimensional world that just had the bare elements of gray, monochrome, just enough to support life with just enough differences so we could exist. But it's just the opposite. We live in a marvelous explosion of beauty and creation and wonder with millions of species, with people who have an infinite variety of uh uh, talents and abilities, and that's just what you can see. If you look at the heavens, our minds just are blown at the creative work of the hands of God and the things, the minute, the smallest things that are beyond us even being able to see unless we have a powerful microscope. God has created all of it, and our God is always there. God doesn't live in temples built by hands. So wherever you find yourself today, whatever dark place you find yourself in right now where you feel the most alone, God is there. You are not alone. He's in the middle of your pain, even in the middle of that darkness. Okay, God is everywhere all at once. And it's not hard to imagine that God is with you right now. Um, but um, even you know when we come to church, we're like, oh, God is there. What about when you get back in your car? God is there too. What about when you go home? God is there too. When you go to work, when you go to school, God is there. He's just as present anywhere you go. And so think about that. Think about his presence. Recognize his presence. You don't have to be... Now, I'm not saying don't come to church. There's power and God moves and there's a purpose and and we need to come together. But at the same time, you're taking God with you. God is going with you. You're not alone. Okay? Also, we see that God is generous. God always gives. Verse 25, he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives. (laughs) He gives us life and breath and everything else. Okay. There are two kinds of people in the world. If if it comes down to it, there are givers and there are takers. Okay. Uh, Some people you're around them and they they just take a little bit more. They just take a little bit more. And those are the people sometimes we kind of walk the other direction or, or we kind of try to avoid. Um, and some people think of God like that. What does God want from me? What is he going to want now? Is God going to take away my freedom? Is God going to take away my money? No, God doesn't need anything from you. God is self-sufficient, uh, all-sufficient. He, is, he has no needs. He's all fine just by himself. But in his love... He reaches out and he gives us uh, so much. 
uh, generously pours out to us uh, reminders of his generosity everywhere. When he answers prayer, he says, I love you. Uh, When he strengthens you, when you're weak, he's saying, I love you. Okay. When God moves in your life, he's saying, I love you. That's who we serve. That's the God we know. That's the God who is giving. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Take a breath. Every time you breathe in air, every time you enjoy some good food, every time you experience the, the love of a friend, you know where it, came, where it comes from. It comes from God. Psalm 145.15 says, The eyes of all look to you, God, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Then we see our God is in control. Yes, he is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. It says that he determined, in verse 26, the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. Sometimes you feel like life is just out, spinning out of control. And you might be saying, why can't I get a handle on my life? And we try so hard to control our life and control our circumstances. But in the end, we know that there are just some things that are out of our control. But look at Isaiah 40, verse 29. It says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Not only is God all powerful, but he also empowers your life. He gives you strength. He shares his power with you. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in your life. Imagine how much power that was. And that same spirit of God is dwelling in your life and he gives you the power to choose to do the right thing. He gives you the power to make a difference in our world. He gives you the power to be more like Jesus. And then also our God is, we see our God is reaching out to us. He's not playing some cosmic game of hide and seek. Look at verse 27. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. And so people are reaching out to God. Some people, they're looking for God. They're looking many times in the wrong places, but God is reaching out to people all over the world and he's done everything he can so that you can have a relationship with him, so that he can have a relationship with you. In John 4, we see that God is seeking, Jesus says, God is seeking worshipers. And he's, he's wanting you to turn to him. Yes, he gives you a choice, but he wants you to turn to him, to surrender your life to him, to offer every part of your life to him. And the reason you're still breathing, the reason that you're, you're hearing what I'm saying right now is because God is reaching out to you and he sent his son Jesus to give his life on the cross so you could have life. We also see that our God is righteous. He is holy. So in verse 30, it says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And he set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed. And he's given proof to this by raising Jesus from the dead. Listen, this is a part of who God is, his holiness, his justice. Some people, you know, they want to worship a God of love. And they've imagined that 
it's all just this kindly old grandfather. He's this kindly, you know, and he just overlooks and shrugs off sin. That's not what God does. And we like to grade ourselves on a curve. We like to compare ourselves to people who lie and cheat and steal and abuse others. And we start to think, hey, compared to them, I'm pretty good. I'm doing just fine. Yeah, you know, I heard, uh, I I was listening to uh, Rob Reiner the other day, who's made a a movie about this this terrible movie. Um, Anyway, it's called God and Country, and it's going to be awful. And so, but, but he was and he's basically an atheist, but he was saying about himself, he was saying, and I call him Meathead, you know, because that's who he was when I was introduced to him in the 70s. But uh, he, he said, you know, I, I've, I've made a few mistakes in my life, and, but I'm basically a good person, you know? No, no, <laughs> you're a horrible person. But, you know, we, we all are, we all, our sin separates us from God, and God has a holy reaction, allergic reaction to our sin, okay? Our goodness, our good deeds are like filthy rags. And, um, and God cannot be around that sin. And deep inside of us, we all know that we have fallen short and we've broken God's laws. And no matter what the time is, even though it's 2024, sin is still sin, okay? It doesn't change with the times. What is wrong is wrong. It was wrong then. It's wrong today. It's going to be wrong in the future. Okay. And if you know Jesus and you want to live a, a holy life, you have to get to know this holy God. And we need a God who is holy. And that's who you're looking for. A God who, who doesn't change and uh, who, is, who is holy and righteous. Okay. So what do you do when you find this God? Verse 32 When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So men and women, um, Paul shared about who God is, and it was effective People's lives were changed. Some people received and became followers of Jesus, okay? Because he clearly shared the truth with people who didn't agree with him, who they didn't have a biblical worldview or a biblical understanding. They were pagans. They believed they were idol worshipers. But then something changed. They encountered Jesus. They heard the truth and their lives changed. And today we live in a world that's not that different from the world back then where people worship they're pagans they worship nature and um and other things they don't have a biblical understanding of life they don't know who god is but they need to know and they want to know desperately who he is and god has shown us who he is and he's told us who he is but what will you do once you find god <laughs> Once you encounter these people who, who were heard the truth, some of them laughed, some of them mocked, some of them uh, refused to believe, and they missed out on knowing the God of the universe. But some of them continue to seek, some of them continue to be curious. But listen, it's not enough just to be curious. You've got to step over that line 
and surrender and believe, okay? And that's the choice that we have today. You, you can either turn away, you can laugh and you can make fun, you can make jokes, you can say, well, I'm just going to continue seeking. And maybe you will, maybe you won't. I wouldn't presume that you're going to continue seeking. Or you can believe, you can trust. If you will lay down your pride and you will lay down your fear, you can trust in Jesus. And we want to help you with that decision and that relationship with Jesus. For many of us who are followers of Jesus, our response is to worship. Worship more fully and more completely and more regularly, more often. Do you really know God? Do you really know him? Or have you only been worshiping um, the God uh, of your own imagination? Or is it the actual God of creation? Okay. Um, Not a God that you've created in your own image, but you have been created in the image of God to worship him. And God is here and he's with you and he's calling out to you. And reaching out to you today. And I, and he's not hiding from you. I hope that you'll respond to him today. And that you'll worship him fully for the God that he is. Okay? So let me just say a quick prayer as we wrap up today. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you've shown us a little more of who you are. And your heart. And, and how you want us to respond to you. That we would respond with heart, hearts of worship. God, that we would respond by uh, giving you thanks and praise with our lives, God, as we seek to live for you each and every day and draw us into a deeper encounter of worship and help us to understand more of who you are, who you are, the God that we worship. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you have a great rest of the week, and I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.